All right, Chris, we're here. We're back. We've gotten probably the last change that we're probably going to do for the podcast overall for the year. And I'm not going to lie when I say this might be the most important ranking we've ever done. And I'm not even kidding. Oh, man. You get it. I knew you get it. Because, yeah. yeah, this one's important. Um, we've been talking a lot about rankings recently. And I'm just like, look, we're in the second month on this podcast of doing this topic subject. We have to do this. So, people, without further ado, we're doing Star Wars Rank today. Who are we? You guys should know who we are by this point. We're the talking TV podcast. Your friend, the neighborhood movie nerds, or what have you. We are the podcast, the show, I should say, about movies, TV, and everything in between. Boom. I did it. We actually got a slogan, finally. That actually sounds good. Um, Dom, the movie nerd. Chris, the TV nerd. You guys basically know the general gist of what we do here. We've done this before, a couple times actually this year so far, but we're hoping to fine-tune and reform the method in preparation for the beginning of next year. Chris, we've got two months left in the year. Yeah, man. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this year can... Uh, this year, I, I plan on forgetting about this right year off. really quickly. Say it nicely. I plan on forgetting about this year really quickly. I just want this to be done. There's two months left. The um, Now that we have a new president-elect, uh, a certain drug company has announced that they may possibly already have a vaccine out. I'm not kidding. That's all I'm going to say about that as far as that goes. But enough about vaccines and real-world life things. We have yeah, some Star Wars to life is rigged. What isn't rigged is it's Star Wars, which is now Star owned. Wars and being honest about. Okay, there's I thought honesty you were gonna... in this episode. Let's just say that. I thought you were going to go in a different direction there, only because I thought you were going to say yes, because Star Wars is owned by Disney, which has rigged the franchise against all of us. But that's quick, not what we're here to do today. Just because people might think, oh, he's alluding to like siding with the right. No, they all cheated. Just one side won cheating and the other didn't. Now let's get into Star Wars because I right, don't want so... anyone to speculate on things they don't need to, aside from. How good or or bad is certain movies, Chris? Sure, all I need boy, to up, know. Man? Thanks for joining us, Chris. All I need to know is, are you ready to do this? We've been uh, hyping ourselves up like kind of all week for this because we had to take a little break last week, and I want to like build up the suspense as much as possible before we get to this. Like, I'm not even kidding. This is like going to be the greatest <laughs> ranking that we've ever done. I'm I'm not even kidding when I say that. You know, this is like an easier ranking for me because I've kind of made it known a few times that like I, I don't really rank things. Like, I, you know, I don't like to compete art against each other. But with And then you joined this podcast of... and you yeah, joined then YouTube. I, then I joined YouTube and realized you have to. No, but like yes. seriously, um, all jokes aside, we can do what we want and we are doing what we want because this is something I've actually like, it wasn't like scrambled to make my list up. It wasn't like scrambled. Oh, do I have to change anything last minute? It was like, oh yeah, true. No, <laughs> it was... I know this, and I am ready to s tell it to the world. Because yes. it's been known in my heart for a long People, time. People, we are finally ready to confess. We are finally get ready to get down to down and dirty. This is Talking TV is officially ranking all 11 Star Wars movies. So just so you people know, this is going to be another individualized list where myself and Chris, we each have our individual list. We will present them each one at a time. It's only 11 choices. There have only been 11 theatrically released live action Star Wars movies. I should preface and say that. We are not counting the Clone Wars animated movie, even though that was released theatrically because I still count it as part of the Clone Wars animated series and because the actual, like, just overall discussion about it. It's just, it's not as interesting. Let's face it. And so I'm just so inundated with exams and papers at this point in the semester that, like, who's got time for that? Yeah. Not really, though. I would have watched it. If <laughs> you, you'd be surprised how many people have watched it. But, uh, Chris, you ready to get into this? Yeah, man. I'm 100% right. ready to go. Starting from the top, or rather the bottom. Number 11. Chris, I... I Usually, I would say, okay, who wants to go first, you or me? But I have a strange feeling that we're going to have the same choice. I'm tempted. I, I don't know because we've been in this situation before where <laughs> I think we're going to have the same choice, um, but then it turns out we don't. Well, you know so, what? Let's just get right into it. Dumb. Right. I don't care who goes first. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because my number 11 is the most recent entry, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. And I is that yours as well? Dom, let me uh, pop the graphic up. Okay, let's see it. Let's see it. Number eleven entry in our ranking of all of the Star Wars films. Uh, at number eleven for the TV nerd comes in Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. All right, all right. I I had a feeling. I just I had to make sure because the yeah. last time we did this, well, well, the last time we I thought we were gonna have this. We had the top ten um, 
best TV shows of 2019 at the beginning of the year. Wow, that was still technically one of our first couple episodes of season two. And um, I thought that we were going to have numbers two and one. We had the same two entries, but we had them in different orders. I famously had Barry at number two and Watchmen at number one. You had Watchmen at number two and Barry at number one. So true. I wanted Very to make true. sure yeah, that we didn't end up in that. another situation like that. Oh, but yeah. Rise of Skywalker, I mean, the good thing is it's number 11. Number 11 is literally like a bastard child. It's an appendix. It's 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 kind of just there, but you plan on removing it really quickly, and it's easily the most expendable part. And it's fitting that this movie should slot into the here for both of us because I think that we've both made it no secret how we felt about this movie. Um, this was in a weird way, Chris, and bear with me here. This was going to be the culmination of everything that the theater-going Star Wars movies had under the Disney banner. Would you agree with that? Can you elaborate on that, please? Okay, well, just to elaborate a little bit more, I'm going to read for you the review that I wrote. On the eve that I saw this, that we saw this, December 20th, 2019, some momentous occasion is going to be this year. And this is what I wrote for it. Uh, I want the last four years of my life back that I wasted. Um, let me preface with this. As awful as Disney is and as despicable as what they're doing to the entertainment industry is, I still have liked a majority of their films. It probably doesn't help that the dominating factor of the role of this Marvel has actually had a majority of its run not only be good but great. At the time, I still stand by that. I still stand by that for the most part. So because they... So, because, but just because they are evil and morally bankrupt and all of the above, I'm still going to watch their movies and critique them as they would any movie. I'm not going to all of a sudden hate everything they make just because it's Disney. I'm going to hate everything they make that's either a piece of shit and or boring. And this movie was both. Uh, yeah, sure, it looks good. Sure, the adventure they're on is entertaining, I guess. Uh, from an, oh my God, I'm so bored because everything's going by so fast. I'm literally looking for anything to entertain me point of view the characters that were so rich and interesting in the force awakens are reduced to types to the point where it's so blatantly obvious that they don't want to be there and i hate having to say that because these new characters are part of what made me love the force awakens so much and i want to be mad at jj but i can't because the sad truth is that he actually was tasked with doing something that he's never done before which is ending something he did exactly what they needed him to do they rushed he rushed out a script in two weeks two weeks i think is all that he had in order to write this with chris terrio it was chock full of fan service references and nostalgia so that even the most vehement Last Jedi hater would be satisfied, or at least that was the idea. This movie feels like two movies shoved into one. Um, I still don't know if I stand by that. It feels like more now, the more that I think about it. Um, the movie's competently directed, I guess, but to what end? It doesn't serve anything. This is an empty, joyless, soulless film. Put it this way, the film has so little confidence in its own trajectory that it spoils its biggest reveal in the opening crawl. From the writer of Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, and Argo, no less. And speaking of The Last Jedi, for this film to make me look back positively on that convoluted mess shows my overall disdain for this movie, I hope. Because as much as I hated The Last Jedi, and still do, at the very least, it's trying something new and different. It has become much more than movies. It's, it's become much more for movies just, just straight up being good or bad anymore. It's become more than that. To me, for the right creators, it's easy to do something that's good, but it's even more difficult to do something risky and have it pay off. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'll take Johnson's convoluted bullshit over this pandering piece of shit any day of the week. That's a majority of what I wrote about this movie. I think most of it still holds up. And this movie is the youngest Star Wars movie out of all of them. And that should show something, I feel. You know? Yeah. No, I listen, I agree with all of that. And I just want to add my own little flavor to it okay. before we move on to the episode. I, I figured. Uh, I didn't want to waste too much time on this. No, 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 totally. I'm just going to add kind of here's here was my letterbox review on this film okay yeah let, uh, let me pull all it right. up and while i'm pulling it up i just want to shout out stranger boy in the chat what's going on man thanks for being here yet again and of course the homie luke of luke reviews you mean unanimous decision on episode episode uh, sorry number 11 episode just nine unfortunately right. i don't even want to count it this movie is so bad that i don't even want to count it as part of the main star wars canon and i hate that i have to rank it here we have to do that. And here's what, here was my letterbox review. Okay, let's this hear it. This movie was awful, and it sucked. Now, let's move on to <laughs> episode, our, te our number 10 in the rankings okay. here. Okay, short, simple, to the Star point, Wars yeah. Films. Number yeah, 11, Rise of Skywalker. It it's it bad. I wasted my time, so I didn't want to waste my time on a review for it. Agreed, yeah. Um, yeah Normally, so that, would, that would be the part where I have something positive to say about it, and I don't. So number 10, so this is going to be interesting. This is where we devolve. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, I'll go first, just because I think uh, my number 10 is not going to be that too long. My number 10 is Solo. Uh, I was not expecting this movie to be as low as it was, uh, but the second time around, I'm really glad that I did a rewatch a couple months ago because, oh man, did it need it. Uh, this movie, to me, the biggest thing about this movie is that it was not a Disney Plus show because I think that it would have been much better as a Disney Plus show. I think that there is a lot of potential that it has. I think there was a lot of good material here. I think it is poorly utilized. I think if pushed in the right direction, it could be really interesting, but it's sadly another one of the situations where, again, the biggest story about each and every Disney movie that came out or Star Wars movie that came out under this Disney era was that they were rocked with behind-the-scenes production problems, and this film, I have to say, probably suffered the most from it, well, besides Rise of Skywalker, but we already talked about that. Um, I think the actors 
while very good cast, very, very good cast, I think the script is all over the place. It definitely needs another rewrite. I think that any potential for interesting characters is kind of mucked about by muddied intentions and more just seeming devoted fan service overall. I think that the visuals, while great, I don't think the shooting style is really that good. It's really cloudy and muddy vision-wise. And yeah, it's like to put this in perspective, when the prequels are more interesting to me than anything that really happened in this movie, and when you like have really interesting and new and different types of cast members than you would have for a normal Star Wars movie, that's a problem. And I watched this movie, and I was largely bored. Like I think I gave this movie like three and a half the first time I saw it, and I'm like, oh god, this is a three at best. And that's me being nice. Yeah, fair enough, man. Um, so with that being said, my number 10 film is The Last Jedi. Really? Okay. And this is because I think as this new trilogy Disney just thrust upon us progressed, they all got progressively worse. And so it's not as bad as Rise of Skywalker, but it is almost just as bad. I felt that this was such a departure from The Force Awakens, which for our debate, you guys can go and check it out. Dom and I oh, did yeah. a debate on The Force Awakens, but I even still said in that debate that it was an airtight script. It was just boring and a little too safe and too cookie cutter, but at least it gave a solid building block to potentially have something awesome happen. And this was the furthest thing from that. These characters felt like I hadn't grown up with them my entire life. Felt like I hadn't known who they were since I was five years old. They felt like completely new people cosplaying former versions of themselves. Yeah, was... Even the new characters, by the way, Ray, Finn, all of them, just so tonally different. And, you know, there's only so much nostalgia and fan service you can give me before I, uh, you know, get upset. And this movie made me very upset. And it just was a terrible, terrible film. So that is my right. number 10 film is uh, The Last Jedi. So right. We're going to get more into it as time goes on because I, I only because, oh, man, this makes me want to do like a Last Jedi debate so badly because, oh, man, it's it's so weird. Last Jedi is one of the only movies, I think, in recent memory where no matter how many things I say about it, I can always come up with more things to say. And I guess it's like, I don't know, is that like a tr a tribute to like the last like four years specifically because i feel like there's like been like a solid like 20 or 30 movies that have come out where i'm like wow the more stuff that like i say about this movie the more just like i can talk about just in general it's really weird it's really weird moving on to number nine unfortunately the prequels don't escape completely unscathed my number nine again it was thanks only to a rewatch that solo made it at number 10 my number nine is attack of the clones unfortunately um i've come around a lot in the prequels the prequels have come I've kind of like generated this like very glowing second opinion now in recent years due to the Clone Wars. I still don't think the movies are competently made, but I think they have enough good ideas to sustain them and make them different from most other just blockbusters in general. It still amazes me just how over, overall ambition there is and how much trust that like Lucas puts in his overall storytelling ability. But Attack of the Clones is probably the worst example because just of his storytelling ability in general. For him to come up with this idea of a love story set against the backdrop of a growing potential galaxy-wide conflict and have the actual love story itself be like just really robotic and weird and then have the overall like war story kind of just come in in bits and pieces and it's still the problem the biggest problem with the prequels is that the prequels will forever be remembered for being too focused on backstory and lore over the actual story in the process itself I think that Attack of the Clones is the worst example of that because Attack of the Clones spends the first like 20 or 30 minutes literally just talking and expository, expositing, that's what I was looking for, um, background information that I'm like, wow, it would be super cool if we could see this. But we are in the early 2000s and we don't have enough time for <laughs> that amount of awesome backstory because there was like a full movie that takes place in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones that should build into it. And it ends in... One of the most over-edited, ridiculously headache-inducing visual effects onslaughts that I've ever seen on screen with that Geonosian fighting pit. It's awesome, and the lightsaber fights are great, and the action at the end for what it spells on the horizon is really interesting. It's still, to me, a very fascinating middle entry just for a trilogy in general, but there's still too much bad in it for me overall, and that's why I can't put it that much higher. Plus, oh man, you want to talk about like peak Hayden Christensen terrible acting. Oh my god, look no further. Yeah, fair enough. Good points all around. So for me... At number nine is Solo, a, uh, a Star Wars setback. Basically, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good know, one. It was just, thanks, Solo, man. a Star Wars setback. <laughs> it's just one of those films that is fine, and it doesn't do as much damage as this new Disney trilogy, but it certainly does some damage, and it certainly yeah. like really strips away any hope I had for Disney. I think it leaves a bad taste in your mouth as one of the more recent films. 
does not live up to its predecessor Rogue One at all. These characters, again, feel alien. I don't know what's going on here in this new Disney realm. It's like, look, if you're at least going to give us nostalgia, give it, give us, give us what we know. I mean, if you want to play it safe, right? You want to play it close to the belt. Do the same thing that we want. I mean, I don't support that, but like, don't change these characters up. It feels like uh, this feels like Han Solo in middle school when he was like still figuring out who he wanted to be. Same for the Bell Han Solo edition. Yeah, exactly. Like he was timid, he was nervous. Some of him was there. It was there, but he wasn't bold enough to take the steps. It does not feel like the Han Solo they want us to know in this film, going on this crazy adventure. And like, kind of like you said, like the cast was cool. Aside from I think Han Solo, the supporting Han cast, himself, unfortunately, yeah. we didn't see enough of them. And I think uh, a little bit of mismanagement there. I, I hate doing the whole like, oh, it should have been a show and not a movie thing because I think like that's not for me to determine. But. I agree with you when you say that this might have been better on the small screen because it's really like a, a lackluster it's just, script. It's not it's the most like, compelling story. It's just like it's a story that feels like much more suited to like a long form content forum. And it's just like, if, yeah. again, it's like it feels it's tricky. That That's part of like a longer argument that I'll get into at a later point just about a lot of like yeah. modern Star Wars in general. So, um, yeah, you know, number nine for me is solo because this is just what we've gotten in the new Disney era. Yeah. Don't worry. The conversation will get better. We promise. It will get better. There is a reason why, yeah. like, this is possibly the greatest movie franchise of all time. But, Chris, I think you're starting to understand now what I'm talking about when I say the most inconsistent movie franchise of all time. Mm. Um, moving on to my number eight. My number eight is a movie that famously is disliked. I dislike it as well, and for good reason, because it was the first Star Wars movie that I ever watched in theaters. This only being the third Star Wars movie that I watched in theaters. Keep in mind, where I just came out of it and was like, what? That was like my initial reaction to that movie. It was literally like, what, what What? was that? I'm like, I'm so confused. I know I said Attack of the Clones was like the worst middle version and I still, worst middle entry of a Star Wars trilogy and I still stand by that. But goddamn, The Last Jedi, like I said before, so much to talk about and yet I feel like I've ta exhausted myself just talking about this movie. Weirdly enough, weirdly enough, and I've said this before, I think that The Last Jedi works as a better, specifically and only in this sense, as a follow-up to Force Awakens. That is the only thing that I think where it actually works. Now, bear with me here. It's because I think that the centralized story, as far as it being like this very harsh deconstruction of nostalgia, as opposed to Force Awakens, which was this ode to nostalgia, I think is the best part about this movie. Because that factors into the character journeys of the three main characters in that movie, which again are the only compelling parts. It factors into my growing theory that I've talked about this with a couple of people who all agree with me, who say that Ryan Johnson had a really interesting story idea for the three initial characters and the rest of the characters. He was like, oh yeah, Star Wars stuff. And I don't really care about them. And that's fine because it's weird because Rise of Skywalker even though that just like felt like it was jumping around randomly and it had no sort of consistent pace. This did. It was just like a, this weird TV episode where it's like all three of these different subplots happening and they don't really intersect or interlace. They just kind of like randomly interlock at different points. It's like, oh, Finn is on and Rose are on the same ship as Ray and Kylo Ren and they don't even realize it. And then they kind of just all come together haphazardly at the end. And I'm like, wait, what? This is supposed to be setting up for the future? Like, it just as a middle entry, it was weird. That's why I still stand by it. It's an inconsistent movie. But again, it's weird because I feel like the argument that I've applied to the other two prequels also applies to this movie. Because I'm like, in its weird inconsistently inconsistencies, there are some good ideas. Ryan Johnson is still a guy to me that has some interesting ideas that he throws in there. He just still, to me, hasn't cracked the code on like how to make it like super, super cohesive. Because as far as everything going on with like, Luke's disillusionment, right? Still trying to work on whatever she is working on, but she doesn't even really know what the next stage is. Yeah. That could have been resolved a little bit better. But and all and, and all the while, Kylo Ren is kind of just in there being like, the past sucks. Let's tear it down. It continuing with his emo train. I will admit, I, I was starting to see like <laughs> more of the my chemical romance come out there. Arguing I was like, okay. Back to our uh, okay. Force Awakens debate. Go but, check but he that had me. Out, he had me he had me for the first two thirds, and then the third, then then the last third. I was like, oh, okay. Yep. I'm I don't care anymore. But for a while there, they had me going. And like I said, the rest of the movie, it's it's Finn riding around on CG logs and Poe <laughs> in one of I, I don't I still don't even know how to describe what happened with Poe and Laura. It's Laura Dern like yeah. in, in, imposing uh, restrictions on Poe because the plot tells her to, and that's about it. And there are some really really stupid moments in this movie. Like I following three prequels filled with like some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. There is a lot a lot of dumb stuff in this movie that. I frankly would spend like 13 hours on a podcast going over. But 
<laughs> it's at number eight because it's better than the other three movies, but it's still not good enough to be better than any of the other movies. I think that the people who said that this was a great Star Wars movie really just wanted to convince themselves that it was a different type of a Star Wars movie in an era where originality has largely kind of left that franchise, which is really disappointing because it was known for being one of the most innovative franchises ever. But uh, Last Jedi, that's number eight for me. Gotcha. So if anyone wanted to know, has doing this show, uh, you know, grew my analytical and, and critical eye? Well, here is your answer in the yes column. because Has, has it disillusioned just us in general? Uh, no, I, I think it's actually heightened my ability yeah. to critique and, and put aside personal bias. So I have defended this film that is number oh eight for years. I oh loved boy. it as a little kid. It was oh my boy. favorite Star Wars movie as a little kid. And I still enjoy it, but if I'm going to be honest with myself and with you guys here in the chat and, and you, Dom, Attack of the Clones okay. isn't as good as I thought it was. It's really not. As it's really, really it is, not. I it is fun. It's a really fun ride. I think that you have some interesting dynamics there in regards to Anakin sort of disobeying the order and, and sort of showing like uh, you know his, his pompous arrogance, for, for lack of a better term in regards to how he thinks he can handle having a lover and you know fighting off the dark side of the force and going down this path once you get older and you watch more content and you realize that cg doesn't age well from that era it kind of stopped so, certain, being certain cg there's, as a, there's good a few of a film you know i always love the geonosian arena at the end i thought that that yeah. was such a cool little sequence and i still do but i go back and i try and watch it now and it's You're a like, little cringe oh. in regards to like the technology <laughs> and how far we've come it's just so phenomenal to see that the, the you know the the strides filmmakers have made in such a short amount of time. So while it does have a lot of cool, interesting things, and, and I love this old Republic era. I love Mace Windu. I love Yoda actually being more than just a puppet in a swamp. I love the Jedi Council. This is the worst of the prequels, in my opinion. And I think that the quality out of all the prequels, uh, the, the, first, uh, the first and the last installment are far superior than the middle. It's not my least favorite middle Star Wars film, though, however, as you guys know, I think it is. Le any of the prequels are leaps and bounds light years oh, yeah. above the the new Disney trilogy in so many regards except for one which we'll get to sooner than later and unfortunately Attack of the Clones falls short in yeah, that one that regard one. Hey, Chris, so can I, can I ask suspense, you something can I ask you something do you like sand I hate it it's okay it's coarse and it gets everywhere man coarse and rough and irritating and it gets yeah, everywhere exactly universal rules here yeah. So for me, that was a Attack of the Clones. Could have been better. Got it. Loved it as a little kid. Didn't age well. Yeah. I, I was wondering how many people I was going to like be able to shock and surprise with my next entry, only because I think that oh, it's so weird because the last time I watched this movie, I remember vividly falling asleep. And I don't remember if that was just because I drank a lot that night or if it was just because like I was just really tired, like literally no joke. I the last time I watched this movie, I did a watch long. I watched the whole thing with a couple of friends from school. It still makes for one of my greatest unedited videos ever. The only reason why I can't ever edit it is because the audio is awful and it blow and I blow out the speakers every single time and the camera died multiple times throughout. But um, it was a lot of fun when I did it. And I still remember a lot of fondness for this movie because I think weirdly enough of the three prequel movies, I think that. Phantom Men between Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith, both of them needed tighter edits and a little bit more of a workaround on the script. And these two could have been like really, really great movies. That I and I think overall there's still a lot about both of these movies that work, just in general. Because my number seven is the Phantom Menace. So here's the interesting backstory. I'll admit there was a lot of bias involved here. This is the first ever Star Wars movie I watched when I was a kid at my grandparents' house. My grandpa showed it to me because my grandparents' favorite character was Jar Jar Banks. Don't ask me why. That is a question I've been asking myself for the last 20 years. And I have no answers to it. Um, I, the thing about this movie that really interested me when I was little is I think this is like the first movie that like made me feel kind of mature. I'm like, ooh, this is for adults. Then when I got older, I'm like, this is not for adults. This has material that makes you think it is for adults. Uh, famously, Chris, uh, before I actually get into my thoughts on this movie, do you want to know what the worst line in movie history when it comes to delivering exposition is? I'll give you a hint. Yeah, let's, let's it is a line it. that is uttered in this movie by Vice Run Newt Gunn, right? Uh, it is, as you already know. Uh, uh, two problems with that line. One... Just from a character standpoint, why would you be telling somebody stuff that they should already know? Um, and two, for the audience, wh wh why would we need to know stuff if we don't know it? Just tell it to us, you know? You're going to tell it to us anyways. So that line is the worst line ever in, in, in the history of just delivering exposition. And it is uttered a couple times in this movie. But weirdly enough, even with this movie's many, many faults, as far as being 
kind of an interesting story that kind of throws you into the action, delivers a lot at you, but kind of just trusts the audience enough to go along with its very, very fast pace and deliver surprisingly, interestingly enough, even though the ending is very over-edited and very clearly a riff on the original Star Wars movie, just they tried to like add more. That was when Lucas was like, Lucas was trying to take the cross-cutting that he indoctrinated a lot into Empire Strikes Back and used particularly well in Return of the Jedi and tried to bring that back again for Phantom Menace. I think there's certain parts that worked and certain parts that didn't. The Gungan attack for me, I'm like, can go away. The attack on the Trade Federation ship at the end, I'm like, okay, clearly, obviously, the stand-up for that scene is Duel of the Fates. Um, I think that if Padme Amidala were a more compelling character in that movie, which I find it very interesting that they choose to tell the main narrative from the actual character's perspective, that even still is a bold, interesting character choice. Like, if it's weird because Phantom Menace is probably the only movie in the prequel trilogy where I would say there's no lead character because Anakin Skywalker doesn't come in until like 20 minutes, half hour into the movie. I think that that movie still has a lot to offer in terms of world building. It's interesting as far as the CG goes, because obviously it's the most dated of the prequel trilogy, but I have this weird relationship with dated CG where I'm like, if it like, it's, it's just coy enough for me because I remember like having fond memories watching it when I was a kid and seeing that this was like the most advanced thing at the time that I can like sort of wrap my brain around it in a way that not a lot of other people can. This movie has a lot of annoyance. This movie has a lot of irritating moments. This movie drags a lot, particularly in the second act. The second act is very, very slow. One of the slowest second acts I think I've ever seen, but I think as far as having the consistent story, we're kind of reintroducing us to this new era of Star Wars. I think for it to take the leaps and bounds that it did, for it to have the high moments that it did, and the highs of this movie are very high. One of the best John Williams scores, one of the best end lightsaber fights, one of the introductions to two Jedi characters that for the most part would garner a lot of interest throughout the years. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi famously being one of the more beloved parts of the prequel trilogy and Qui-Gon Jinn also being a source of vast interest and discussion throughout the years. It unknowingly set up a lot for the rest of the trilogy. And I think that it still has a lot going for it. It just, again, suffers from the same problems that the prequels do. But as far as the prequel order goes, uh, that's why it's my number seven. Gotcha. No, good points all around. I'll save my thoughts when we get to it, but I can't say yeah, I disagree interested. with most of that. For me, at number seven comes in... Force Awakens. Force I had a Awakens. feeling. Yeah, because this is where you got to um, sort of, you know, separate the good from the bad we're getting towards the middle and this is in my opinion the last of the not so good slash bad star wars films now we're getting into the great films unfortunately we have to first drop the force awakens off at number seven and let me I had a feeling so, i was bracing myself for it yeah so for me you know this film isn't a bad film like i said it's an airtight script everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing i just can't respect it i think it's way too safe i think it's just too cookie cutter too clean it's it's like the spongebob meme where it's like you can't have dirty garbage it's like sometimes you need to get a little dirt on it you know for example these these uh you know these uh rebel x-wing fighters that we just saw in this new episode of the uh the mandalorian i mean they weren't the, the classic you know knight in shining armor good guys they were a little muddy they they helped mando out but they told him look we're watching you and we're not going to help you out all the way because we should be arresting you right now they were gray and i think things need to be gray sometimes you can't just have this constant black and white and i get it's this fable style fairy tale universe set in outer space and there's going to be a lot of that but i think the films we're about to get into kind of were able to toe the line a little better and so I just think that for Disney to hype this up the way they did and to give us what they gave us, it was just a little unacceptable. And so that's why Force Awakens is number seven. And if you guys really want to get into the Force Awakens with us, oh, just go and check out our review. For, we already uh, did a whole video on we it. We did so. a whole video on I'm it. I'm, so. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to save that for later on. Um, but, oh, man, I'm still – I can't believe it's already been two weeks since we did that video. That's nuts. But, um, yeah, yeah time flies dude uh my number six i think it's no secret to say i'm gonna be very interested to see where you have this on the list i actually wouldn't be actually no you're you're gonna have it like a couple spots higher than me um my number six is revenge of the sith um yeah where do i even begin with this movie um i rewatched this movie a couple of months ago and was shocked at how much i liked it like a lot a lot a lot like this i mean it's no doubt that this is the best of the prequel trilogy that's been like kind of the unsung rule of like the last couple of years but i think that weirdly enough of all the movies that have benefited kind of from this almost shift in perception when it comes to viewing previous movies because of the internet i think revenge of the sith benefits from that the most um i think that the turns and the story direction that it takes is probably the most interesting of everything that lucas has ever done because he kind of makes it it's really weird because he makes it like the inverse. He incorporates a lot of elements from Empire and Return of the Jedi. I think the first 
half of this movie is the most problematic. I think it's got the best opening scene of the entire prequel trilogy, easily, with, like, jumping, having us go right into the action. Uh, yeah. Certain other people can complain that it's over-edited. I think that it's just the right amount of pace because in case people haven't noticed, we're Gen Zers and Millennials. We perceive things much, much quicker. We need a lot more rapid movement to keep our attention, a lot more visual imagery. And I think that unlike Attack of the Clones, which was still trying to balance it, um, I think that Revenge of the Sith actually hit that perfect balance. It had, ironically enough, for a movie that was all about disrupting the balance, it actually had a pretty decent balance. It had a good balance of character. It had some pretty decent-looking effects. 2005, that to me is the best visual effects that I saw from that year overall. I think that Lucas finally managed to bring back some of the little bit of the corn that he brought in some of the earlier performances and managed to make it mesh within a modern day. I think that the story... Again, the biggest problem with this movie is the first half because the story is a little bit bloated as far as like kind of like trying to balance out. Lucas still does has not to me had not. He was very close, but he had not figured out how to perfectly balance out overall story and the amount of stuff that was actually happening in the back. Because there was a lot. He had like a four hour cut of this movie at one point originally and the actual inner turmoil of the character, which again, the focus on Anakin and the acting done by Hayden Christensen is the best so far in the trilogy. They, I think this movie, as opposed to the other two prequels, had an actual good focus character. Like, they actually focused well on Anakin Skywalker. His relationship with Obi-Wan was the best that it could have been, but Obi-Wan was, like, in his place properly as the supporting character. And it's an interesting character struggle. It's one that, frankly, mainstream media to me has still not done, which is the idea of the hero just falling so completely far from grace and starting at one end of the spectrum at the beginning and the far end at the other. Like... I, I think, like, the closest we saw that was The Godfather. But even in The Godfather, like, Michael was not at the level that he was in 2 at the end of 1. He was just starting to get there. And, like, Revenge of the Sith kind of, like... It's sad because Revenge of the Sith could have been, like, a prequel... Uh, could have been, like, a whole trilogy in and of itself. That's how much stuff happened in it. But, again, similar to what I said about The Phantom Man, is the highs in this movie. Oh, man, they are the highest of the prequel trilogy. The the betrayals, they still hurt a lot. The, some of the visual sequences that Lucas puts together specifically in the second half leading into the third half are unbelievable. I think that he does a really good job of balancing out specifically once we get to like the halfway point, the pacing is is great. It's breakneck. It's brutal. It doesn't stop. And it goes all the way. It's one of the few movies that I've seen that actually does go all the way as far as just like maintaining that pace right up until the end. Sure, the ending does get a little bit like safe. It's like, okay, now we have to slot all these characters where they're going to be in the next trilogy. But I think it does a great job as far as like paving the way for and showing what was going to happen in the original Star Wars trilogy. It, to me, really was the point where Star Wars came full circle. And it's why, to me, even at its best, this new sequel trilogy was never, was always going to kind of be like its own thing. You know, because unlike the prequels, which there is only a 15 to 20 year gap, depending on where you want to start between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, there is a 30 year gap between A New Hope, between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So uh, this movie, I think, for all that it had to accomplish, did a lot with very, very little, because I think this movie still came in under the two-and-a-half-hour mark. It was still just a little over two hours, which is insane, considering how much this movie pulls off. Yes, it still has a lot of the basic prequel problems, but for what it was, I enjoyed it, and this movie made me feel the most emotionally out of all three of the prequels, which is outstanding. Yeah, no, well said, man. Um, so with that being said, guys, jumping into my number six film, drumroll, please. My number six film is Revenge Whoa! of the Sith. Oh, and you held out on me. We could have been talking about it at the same time this whole time. Dude. And here's, and here's why. Because I don't have prequel problems. Never really did. Oh, I enjoyed man. it so much. I think it's what I want out of this Disney Extended Universe. Give me more information. Give me details upon details. They have to be there. This is a galaxy far, far away that's been at war for as long as they can remember. And God damn it, did we get that in this trilogy. And what we also got were these amazing character moments. Like, you, you talk about that opening sequence where Anakin sort of jumps out of the uh, the ship. I forget what they call it now. And it's just so true to his character that he has to be this yeah. cowboy, this this. It was the most when the he would... It was when he was the most Anakin that we would figure out. Like, for a brief second before he started, like, talking, like, the mopey dialogue. And that opening sequence, he was like, okay, yes, this is the Anakin Skywalker that is the hero of the Clone Wars. This is the Anakin Skywalker that is, like, at the, at the prime of his life, kicking ass every single second. He's finally passed, like, the annoying bratty teenage phase. Now we're getting into it. Now he's going to be like, yes, this is our guy. 
Yeah, exactly. And you can really see like the growth there between him and Ewan McGregor's character in Obi-Wan. And I just felt it was so authentic and so true to not only how Jedi's would react, but to how sort of someone who got thrust into the role of being a big brother slash a father, though, would react because at times he has to be strict and stern, but at other times they, they're, they're, they're the same rank as Jedi's. They're both Jedi masters. Obi-Wan does get promoted to being on the council, but it's weird because they're so close in age and I love that yeah. dynamic. It feels so organic and so real and it really does carry this film. I think that at this point, Natalie Portman actually starts really rocking the role of Padme. I really didn't like her too much throughout the first two films. She got really good for me towards the end of Attack of the Clones, but she really was no. pretty awkward in the, uh, in the beginning of, uh, but hey man, let me get my thoughts out because what I was going to say is she actually feels like she really grew into the role here, and I really enjoy the main three and what they bring to the film. And I also love the tension of Anakin being sort of torn. If Obi-Wan was around, what would have happened? He may, he might have killed uh, you know, the senator. He, he might have done the right thing. But because of where the war has brought them and how well they show this old Jedi Order on the brink of collapse really on their last limb to just to get just to save this galaxy that they're all fighting for I thought it was so well done and of course heartbreaking moment when they execute Order 66 I thought that that resonates with me so much I love everything about it from Obi-Wan dropping off into the ground to them just shooting down Plo Koon and and killing off uh, Kiat Mundi yeah. and all the other great Jedi Masters. It's just so sad, and it hits me in the heartstrings every time. Yeah. This movie works, and it achieves what I think a good trilogy should, even if it has its issues getting there. It certainly it certainly raises the quality of the first three films by knocking it out of the park in this, uh, in this finale. If you so have you, issues with it, I don't, like I said. You just actually brought up to me one more point that I just remembered from this movie that is, I kind of think, kind of a tremendous problem. Of all the movies that were so heavily focused on world building, I think this was the movie that needed to be focused the most on world building. Because the problem is that as much as I enjoyed the moments when they came, the problem is the moments when they came for the overall extended universe and characters were not built up to. So they felt literally just like background props. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I need a little bit more story here. And weirdly enough, the character stuff is what should have happened to me in the first two. And it just wasn't. So it felt weirdly inverse in that way. But again, it's still to be why the second half taken at face value without the whole first half build up is much better than the first half. But I'm glad that we have another entry at the same spot. It's yeah. pretty cool. Fair enough. Jumping on. John, what was your number five? Number film? five. Okay. So I went back for it because now I think it's safe to say that we've crossed the Rubicon, crossed the barrier. We're all into like officially, it's safe to say, the good Star Wars movies. Although you unfortunately because of how you have things placed i'm going to be very interested to see how your things line up but i have these are my top five easily <laughs> these are all great every single one of these movies to me are flawless there's not a single problem with them jk but i mean obviously i had to rank them in a certain order so i went back and forth specifically between three through five one and two are pretty locked up they have been i think for a while i think they're pretty universal across the board but number five is return of the jedi and i went back and forth a lot because i think overall this movie, I think, holds up consistent consistency-wise better than my three and four overall. I think my three and four have different pacing issues. My number three has a third act problem. My number four, sorry, my number four has a third act problem. My number three has a first two-thirds, a little bit of a problem, specifically around the second act. But uh, Return of the Jedi, I think it's at this spot because... Wow. Okay. This is going to be a lot tougher than I thought. Um, no retroactive choices, choice changes. I promise. Um, the first third is the first third is a little goofy. I will say. Um, and I think that despite all the good that this movie does have, and this movie has a lot of good in it, like a lot of good, this movie has a weird reputation because this became the, the like kind of the first star Wars movie that it was like easy to pick on, even though it was still in like the original era saga. Um, I'm still a little bit confused as to why, this movie overall got treated the way that it did. I think that for the most part, there's a don't get me wrong. Even though it's at number five, this movie is still incredible. This movie has some of the, my favorite Star Wars moments ever. I actually love the Ewoks. I think that because look, they were going to put it in a the whole second act in a force setting, regardless, because they wanted Lucas wanted to have that like Native American energy backdrop to it, like the idea that these were natives fighting for their home. And I think it was actually a really smart decision to have the rebels like fight alongside a native some natives on their planet to defend them against the Empire, kind of bring it back to what Star Wars was all about. Because Empire Strikes Back was kind of like really hoity-toity and really like about like, oh, the lineage and stuff. And Return of the Jedi actually brought it back and grounded it. But it also ended in probably and arguably the best third act out of all of the um, 
final movies in all three Star Wars trilogies. Now, granted, that's not a high bar to overcome, but at the same time, and this is after the third act, like climax, all Revenge of the Sith, only because I think Revenge of the Sith has an amazing, like, actual in the moment climax, but the post climax, like, kind of whatever. This is the only movie that, weirdly enough, bear with me, feels like an actual ending to a Star Wars trilogy because Rise of Skywalker feels forced as hell, and obvious reasons. Revenge of the Sith, as good as it is, still does feel a little bit like, okay, now we're putting all the characters in the directions that they need to go in, and it didn't necessarily feel as natural at points. Return of the Jedi felt supernatural. Like, everything that happened in the third act of that movie happened exactly like it needed to. It felt like it was preordained. It felt like it was, okay, these are the only way that you could end with all these characters. It kind of brings me back. The one criticism that I hate that goes towards Star Wars it's just overall, in general, how people kind of seem to take it too seriously, and they seem to forget that this was originally about space wizards, and it was meant for kids. And this movie kind of really brings it back to being about that. And there's just kind of like part of like that effervescent charm that kind of runs through the underlying um, Star Wars mythos in general. The idea about just like kind of these kids going on adventures, that quintessential charm. And this movie brings it back because this movie kind of takes the idea of fathers and sons and mixes it with the idea of kind of the old versus the new. And also just like what different forms and perspectives of evil can look like. I think this movie doesn't get enough credit for that. I think this movie does that surprisingly enough better than a lot of the other Star Wars movies that have come out. Because Star Wars has always been a franchise about good and evil. But like the moments between Luke and Vader in this movie are probably the best that they've ever been. And they ever will be. And they're just it's just like the, the, the way that it's handled. So much is said but so little. There's It's one of the first times where I began to notice like small little bodily actions would like reveal so much. And the idea of like the final confrontation between Luke and the Emperor being kind of the ultimate capitulation moment because between like the greater overall Star Wars universe and the inner turmoil and conflict of the character. It's good screenwriting. It's good screenwriting and it's good storytelling. And I don't like how people kind of discount this one. It's a great ending to the original Star Wars trilogy. I think it has a lot to offer. And I'm going to stop repeating myself because I want to save for what I have be um, for my latest two entries. So Return of the Jedi, number five. It's great. Cool. It is. It is a great film. And uh, so jumping into my number five film at number five coming in, we have drum roll, please return to the Jedi. I wow, really okay. like this film. The original trilogy can do no wrong. It is clearly the uh, the weakest of all three installments. But I mean, it's kind of hard to combat Luke. I am your father. Let's be honest. But uh, <laughs> being more serious. I did think that this actually put a really nice bow tie on things, and I think had it have been the only trilogy we ever gotten, I think it still would have the legacy it does. I mean, it just really ties it up in such a nice way. We get to, like, see the full journey of our hero, and we get to have this weird kind of bonding moment where they, the father and son kill someone together, and then he eventually, like, you know, <laughs> the father tells him know? to kill him. It's like it's like a weird, messed up family, and it just kind of feels like, you know, Thanksgiving's coming around the corner. You're all thinking about what arguments you're going to be getting into, especially oh given the election we just had. That's and it's like family's messy. Movie. Okay. And it's it's just so true to, like, what family is. And, and I, I appreciate that because, like you said, this is a story of space wizards, and it can get real silly real fast if you think about that. And also, if you think about the fact that it is a children's uh, IP to begin with to have this depth of, of family and character and this resolve that like you said is so well written is surprising when you think about it and when you think about the time it was done in and how ludicrous this was to begin with a little space balls nod it is just awesome the way that they sort of wrap it all up and don't ruin what they really set up to be some home run IPs that will go on to make billions and billions of dollars like we saw so I think the one yeah, lesson to take away from both the first two Star Wars trilogies that the newest trilogy did not follow. Three years. It's the key. Three years yeah. in between each movie. They did that for the original trilogy. 77, 80, and 83. They did that for the prequel trilogy. Man, that's going to be interesting because if memory serves, you're going to have some really interesting choices going forward uh my number four i went back and forth with my next two entries for a while like a while 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 because weirdly enough one part of one movie kind of equals one part of another as far as like them being even though they're easily the best to offer as far as the disney era goes i still think there are a lot like a lot a lot a lot that these movies have to offer just overall besides being just really well-made movies but i remember my number four is force awakens um 
like I said, it was really, really chick, really, really tricky for me going back and forth, especially because I defended this movie so hard. Uh, part of me still has like a really soft spot because this is the first Star Wars movie I ever saw in theaters. Uh, just momentous occasion all around. And I think that cannot be undersold. Like this was to me the only movie of this new era that felt like an event. It looking back probably should have ended where it did. And that feels weirdly counterproductive to say, but again, hindsight is 2020. So this movie probably spawned the most problematic period of Star Wars that we've ever had to deal with. But again, I don't think that should be held against this movie, as I said in the debate. Overall, I think this movie has a lot to offer. Cookie Cutter, while the formula may be, I think there is intention behind that. I think that intention should be respected, especially because I think that it could craft for some new stories later on down the road. Obviously, that which we did not get. I enjoyed the new characters very much. I thought that the idea of nostalgia was actually utilized really well. The idea of them being these for uh, pun, pun, all puns intended, force avatars for us in this franchise. I think the new actors were incredible. I think the balance of the old actors, uh, while overall could have been better, was still very, very much appreciated. I think the most predictable part was the third act, but the first two acts I thought were probably the most interesting and like the most like just overall garnered that kind of kind of interest garnered generally for me for a Star Wars franchise that I've seen in a while. And that's not something that I can say about a lot of the other movies, except for like the first three, but the first three are like kind of like special to me. So that's where I go with uh, The Force Awakens. I think just as far as the overall look to it, the idea of mixing the traditional puppets with the incredible effects that this movie has, I think the John Williams score is actually really well utilized overall. I think that problems wise mostly come from the establishment of the background and in that sense i think this movie hedges a little bit too much on familiarity and that is probably the one thing that holds me back overall but just the sense of menace the sense just the the overall aura that i get from this movie i think it's it's too much to like kind of second guess and put down so that's why i've already talked enough about this movie so that's why the force awakens is my number four i love this movie still nice no, I hear that, man. Some good arguments in there for sure. For me, at number four, you have The Phantom Menace. I really like this film. Wow. Higher than Return of the way Jedi. too much. Yeah, for sure. Because I think it had such big shoes to fill, and it clearly knocks it out of the park. I mean, when people talk about the problems of Star Wars nowadays, the, the prequels are almost glorified, like you said, with how you know we've we've come to see what we've gotten and i think it's also because like you know sometimes like things need to age like a fine wine for you to really and truly understand them and appreciate them now i could be considered a hipster i always loved this film i thought that liam neeson's character of qui-gon is one of the single-handedly greatest performances in all of star wars cinematic history and we only have him for one movie and i'm saying that ridiculous i also think that george lucas got completely spearheaded or, or um, sorry, strong-armed by the studio, and if Jar Jar was the Sith Lord, well, you guys are in for a completely different ride on this trilogy. But all jokes aside, <sighs> that would that would have really made for. Think that, uh, it was bold to take our character, Anakin Skywalker, and introduce him as a completely different actor, a completely different part in his life for the first of a trilogy. But I think it really worked out. Like worked out. Like this movie has. A backbone and it's not afraid to flex that i mean it clearly was thought out it clearly took its time the last battle scene i think is one of the most underrated big battles of all of star wars it's very intricate there's rules there that's like tactical and it's almost chess worthy in the way that the gungans have to compete against the federation i thought it was a really well-made film it's fun it doesn't overstay its welcome in my opinion and of course that lightsaber fight between obi-wan and Darth Amazing. Maul, while I would say isn't the best lightsaber fight of all time in Star Wars, I think it is top three, and that could be a whole other ranked list. Well, actually, it is. Top two. <laughs> so good. It is it a whole, whole other ranked list. Channel. You can watch it on the channel. I, I top didn't 10 Star Wars lightsaber fights. I didn't even realize that. Maybe I'll have to make my top lightsaber fights at some point. We'll, we'll get to it. We're going to be oh, doing man. this for a while. Yeah. You, you, I was about to say, you better stop trying to hinge on my, my content. Go make your own. But and, and um, this is, uh, yeah, this is my why. number three. It's number four. For all these reasons, working working for yeah. itself and I, I, a, dude, so a I, I want to have a whole different debate right now. Phantom Men is better than Return of the Jedi. That is ludicrous to me. I I would put no movie in the prequel trilogy over any movie in the original trilogy. That's insane. But number three, uh, hold on, Chris, because I want to see if we have the same number three. So I'm gonna do that thing, and I know we should never do this, but. I want to see if I can count down from three and see if we have the same one for number three. Just a test. If we don't, it'll be whatever. I mean, you already know it you because really I sent you the list right earlier. But I want to do this. I want to do this. I don't care. We, I've, we, I've missed it for two in a row now. I want to see if we have it. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Rogue One. Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. on a delay, so. 
Yeah, we did Rogue it again. 100%. Rogue One. Um, we so weird story. We did not watch this movie together, but this movie was the subject of our, our first ever podcast that we recorded pre-talking TV, and um, it's really fascinating how this movie works because this movie. Chris, is it safe to say that this was the best we were ever going to get from the Disney era of Star Wars? Is that safe to say? As of now, yeah. I'm, I'm in Filoni, I trust, but for a long time, it was surely what I was feeling. It, it, yeah, it was it, it, like I, it was weird because I watched this movie. I'm like, this movie was so good and so different from anything else that I've seen before that I'm like, oh no, this this might almost be too good to be true. And I was really worried. I don't know what caused me to have that reaction at first but after a while i was like oh man this might be the best overall that we have and it's understandable because this movie's great this movie has some of the best things i've ever seen from star wars i think just the overall nature of it i think the characters are different from any other type of star wars movie that we've seen i think the story well the script definitely needed another workaround specifically for like the transition from the second to the third act i know this movie was another one that underwent heavy reshoots but both gareth edwards and then later tony gilroy when he took over for reshoots they clearly understood something about what they were trying to go for with this movie which is just kind of pushing forward the futility sometimes that is felt that is i think an aspect that is not focused on enough i think that weirdly enough this movie draws the most from the dave filoni era of star wars because this because the dave filoni era of star wars has a lot of grit in it i think it's the one that kind of inspired the grit and for this movie to come out when Rebel Season 3 was airing, which to me is still the most serious that the animated shows have been in this new modern day era, I think that for them to have the character choices that they had were interesting. I think that, the, weirdly enough, I think that the biggest problem with this movie is that I am now of the opinion the characters needed more screen time to grow and flesh out and like get to know each other as characters. I think there could have been a lot more there, but I think, again, once again, like Star Wars always does, they made the best with uh, smaller situation you know and it all made up for in the third act which is like one of the if possibly not the greatest third act of star wars history um <laughs> I, I i mean like I, I don't know like what else to add here as far as that goes like the yeah, well, the, the quest me, for the plans uh, it's chime like, in why it's my number three i uh i thought that this film was just too, too so i'll tell it to you from the critical eye and then just from like my normal i'm a person a part of society type uh experience i just from from my normal you know guy in the street not not having a podcast where i overanalyze stuff it was badass man it put the war in star it wars it stepped it up it made it adult for the first time truly it felt it had these these consequences and this this love story that that wasn't meant to work out and in just such a way where it's like yeah we've all had those kind of like relationships that just were doomed from the start and so it just resonated, I think, with, like, normal people in, like, a really funny way, considering, again, space wizards, right? And then from more of, like, an analytical eye, I just think, like, the filmmaking works really well. We introduced a new biome, and it was really satisfying. It all worked out so well. The, the whole—this is a scary film to write because you know what happens. So it's to yes. make that interesting, you really have to be on your P's and Q's. And they really yeah. were. Like, the script is airtight. It really were. The emotions and, and the decisions the characters make all push you forward on the edge of your seat, just waiting and waiting to see what happens. And it's crazy because you know it's going to happen, but yet you're so yeah. invested. And it's because it's so well written. And then, you know what on it top does? of being so well written, it's so well shot, and it's so well executed. And this one-time ensemble cast works better than any of the people in that new trilogy. And it blows my mind. And it shows you what it does to me is show you the power of good directing and good writing. Two most recent, I think, pieces of film criticism that I think work are two things that are very apparent both about Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenet. And bear with me for a second here while I break down these arguments. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that aspect comes from the fact of using expectations that you have towards a movie against the audience and being uh, and allowing them for actually, to actually like come up and spin it in new directions. I think that's a direction to me where Star Wars has been at some of its best, its highest points. You know, most recently, the most recent Clone Wars finale, because like you said, you know exactly what's going to happen. So you know that certain things have to happen to these characters in order for events to line up, and they do that and more. And then the idea of what you were saying about like this one-time cast, that's kind of like where what Christopher Nolan does in his new movie, Tenet, where you know surprisingly little about the characters, but they let the actions define the characters. And I think they do a very, very good job of that. It's There are a few missed opportunities, I think, with Overall, the characters, but I think the characters are well defined by their actions. I think it's just like the most that you see characters do rather than say, which is which sounds ludicrous, but like it's kind of insane to me just like how much more talking happens in Star Wars than I think people give it credit for. There's Ken showing up last minute like he always does. It, it, it's like we, we got to come up with a timer every single time he comes up. We're like, yep, <laughs> the same Ken time. Clock. The Ken clock. What's going on, Ken? But. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that that this movie, I think it just it doesn't get enough credit for like the risks that it took. And for this being Disney to do a movie where it killed off its entire cast. And you're right. I'm actually really glad that you brought that up, Luke, because that brings it back to the director, Gareth yeah, Edwards, yeah. where Gareth Edwards, to me, I think does something that very, very few other directors know how to do in Hollywood, which is he knows how to play around with scale. And the key that is that is said overall about dealing with scale is that if you want to feel the true scale of how big things are, you have to make your character small. And this movie did that in more ways than one. This is the first Star Wars movie and only Star Wars movie, I think, of the entire Disney era. Well, certain points in The Last Jedi where the sets felt tremendous, the stakes felt tremendous. Everything in this movie just felt huge, like kind of Star Wars is supposed to be. And for them to do that for like this relatively small ragtag mission, this Saving Private Ryan-esque mission, but it's like almost like a spy espionage thriller, I think it works. And I think the characters are great. I think the acting is great. The visuals are spectacular. It's weirdly enough, the deep fake bothered me the second time that I saw it with the Tarkin stuff, but that even that aged terrifically well. So Rogue yeah. One, like no, dude, kudos I, to Disney. Twenty sixteen is such like a year. Chat really is all about uh, Rogue One as well. We got yeah. David in here saying Rogue One is awesome. And guys, just so you know, I want to read top tens. We'll read them off real quick. Yeah. If you submit them, a few of you already have. When we get to the end of ours, we'll read yours before we jump out of here tonight. So let us know your list, guys. Shoot us, shoot us your every single Star Wars cinematic film ranked all eleven of them. I don't know why I yes. said top ten. I'm so YouTube trained. But we're <laughs> yep, breaking that mold tonight, and we're doing a top eleven, guys. So with yes. that being said, we're gonna move into the top three of our top, top eleven. Top two that we just did number three. You're right. You're right. I think that shows the day I've had. Yeah. Now, guys, at number two for Dom, what film do you have, man? I, I think we have. I, th I think we have the same two. I think I, that just confirmed we have the same top three. My number two is A New Hope. Um, I'm interested to see if that's your number two. Well, let's tell them why this is your number two. Uh, it's the original. Uh, again, there, the, the, this movie requires the least amount of discussion about it. It's about as like just perfect a movie as you could get from a writing standpoint. It's cut and super cut and dry. Uh, all the story beats fall in exactly where they need to go. All the characters are perfectly well-rounded. The action is great. The adventure is great. The spectacle is incredible. Special effects standing at the time. It's an absolute revolution. Um, and it changed the way that cinema goes. Uh, it's, again, the Star Wars movie that I hate talking about because it's there's it requires the least amount of discussion about it. Uh, it's it's literally a flawless movie just as far as it goes and again it hit very personally understandably so for a lot of people and uh yeah it started the franchise that um would continue would we continue to dominate for the next like 40 years although it would have breaks at certain points and that's all i have to say about it it's a new hope everyone knows about it yeah everyone does know about it and at my number two star wars film of all time is a new hope, a new hope. and here's why uh, this just shows how how unbiased and analytical I'm being because without this film, I wouldn't be anywhere near the creative arts analyzing anything, the musician I am, the the writer that I, I aspire to be, the uh, the commentator that I'm, I'm trying to hone my craft at being. Without this film, I wouldn't be anywhere, but it's still only number two because what we get in our number one, which we won't spoil yet, although if you've been following this from the start, it's, it's pretty, pretty predictable obvious. at this point. It's... I love it. This. this is the first list where we've had... <laughs> <laughs> we've had six uh, entries in the same spot here that either shows like how yeah. well we know each other or just like how certain when things you line sent me up your list us. earlier i was really enjoying you were like, that, like wow i got to know and you didn't get to know and i was uh, also really glad that like, we, we gotta change that up so we, we, long, we, so. we gotta like we gotta like exchange them evenly yeah. from now on because uh, the, the power cannot be one-sided anymore the force cannot be unbalanced that is true. There, there was an unbalance in the force, and I apologize for that. Yes. But let me just say, man, this film is awesome. It just has so much charm and so much, so much character, man. This film has fight and spunk in all the best places, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's kind of got a shorter runtime if you think about it, and it just hits all the beats that you want it to hit. It completely is the reason why so many people are in love with this franchise. I mean, even today, this film can still make a diehard Star Wars fan with how far we've come in regards to technology, uh, you know, cinematography, the things we can do now with drones, making it so much easier to have these grandiose shots where back then it was like, oh God, we have to hire a helicopter for that? Like, But this, still, this film still holds up and I think is still the reason that this franchise even is considered the, uh, probably one of the greatest trilogies, if not the greatest, at least science fiction trilogy of all time. Certainly the highest grossing film franchise. I don't know if Marvel passed that. I think I, Marvel I think, passed it. I would have to check. I think that yeah. Marvel passed it, though, just you know because what? of more movies. One of the movies. biggest dogs in the, in the cinematic history, and it's because of this film. Yeah, it's so. easy. It's the most rewatchable it's movie easy. of all time, I think. I, I, I mm -hmm. think it's between this and The Godfather for most rewatchable movie of all time, but this is like is up there just as far as that. But we, we, we got the easy one out of the way. Now let's get into the brass tacks. Number one. 
um, Empire Strikes Back for both of us. So let's just talk about this. Let's get this dog out of the yeah. way. Uh, this is the best Star Wars movie ever made, easily. Uh, it's, it's no secret. Again, it's tricky because, again, there, there's so much to talk about with this movie, and there's so little. The Rooster Brothers just recently did a podcast with Marcus and McFeely where they had Mark Hamill on just to talk about Empire Strikes Back and how that is an even better example of just the script structure. Star Wars is the most ba- – the first Star Wars and New Hope is the most basic Dude, form of the script structure. Empire Strikes Back takes it. it to a new level. David gets it. Empire is absolutely incredible. Nothing comes close. It's, it's, objective, it's objectively, it's objectively the best. It's it makes the most amount of its story. It was the most expansive. It did everything that a good sequel is supposed to do and more. Um, the behind the scenes production is very, very fascinating, even though it's got like very few problems that riddled it, which is usually unique because you usually don't hear that about movies just in general. Usually, the most interesting behind the scenes productions are the ones that are the most riddled with problems, but this one didn't, and it's still fascinating to hear about. I love kind of the constructions, the story ideas that Lucas comes up with. I think the reason why this turns out the best is because Lucas was in just the right spot where he needed to be, just churning out the story and allowing other people to take over and see his vision. You have with Lawrence Kasdan. This is the first Star Wars film that he wrote. You have Irvin Kirshner, who was one of Lucas's college professors directing. You have the cast understanding in this weird way where all their characters need to be, who their characters are. They have a better handle on things. They know exactly the, the types of beats that they need to hit. The stakes are higher. Even though Rogue One, I think we said, is the movie with the highest visible stakes. This movie has this underlying sense of dread. And it was the first time we saw that. And as far as being transformative experiences within Star Wars, I don't think you get much better than this. I mean, I could be wrong, no, but... You don't. The... Listen, man. This film, it, it, it's just like... To me, it's the cornerstone of like science fiction and cinema. Like, it's just... Yeah. It just shows that, like, okay... You, because look at all these series nowadays and these movies that come and go. For example, like Netflix's Altered Carbon was cool for a week, but then people realized it's kind of thinly veiled and there's not much depth to it. Or, you know, so many of these stupid sci-fi films that we watch and we cover that are just here today, gone tomorrow. Because it's it's not about the smoke and mirrors. It's about the writing first and foremost. It's about the characters. Y- you need that. And we kind of lost that, I think. And this movie has just that right era that right decade where they still knew how to write and keep it interesting but more importantly they were willing to experiment with the prosthetics and the props and and really like the set design is is so ahead of its times like to think what they did with what they had back then it it blows your mind because i still don't think we've come close to the level of immersion that we get i mean cool you can green screen in anything you want but does it feel real does it feel like you can touch out and grab it it doesn't and and just it fires on all cylinders, not just from a science fiction movie, not just from like an, a major blockbuster, but just like a good movie with amazingly lovable characters. And it's just, it's immortalized in, in my in my heart and soul because of that. And of course, the twist of all twists. I mean, geez. The, I would, oh. Arguable to say the first big movie twist, I think. Like big, big movie twist that like people didn't see coming. That like, there, there had been twists before this, but this film, this was the first twist that like kind of recontextualized the whole what we understood just about media in general and like kind of what these stories could do. It'd be like, okay, it, it's the first twist that made you want to go back and rewatch it. And it made you just like kind of your understanding of these characters as you come to know and love already over the course of one movie. And it made you go and see them in a whole new light. In a movie where they were already starting to kind of undergo a new light naturally. It's it's my most rewatchable Star Wars movie ever, I think. Like I I've, I've, think I've watched this movie more than any other Star Wars movie it's funny, 1980 is one of the most underrated just years in general for cinema, because if you look at like some of the great movies that came out that year, besides Empire Strikes Back, this year we got Raging Bull, it's the first beginning of a decade that Scorsese was snubbed for a picture and director, um, Shining, the original The Shining, um, a lot of great comedies that year, David Lynch's The Elephant Man, uh, the beginning of another horror franchise with the Friday the 13th, the second Superman, it was an experimental year, but it was an interesting and great year, and this movie is just like kind of the one that spearheaded it. Um, I'm not going to say it kicked off the phase of sequels that were better than the original because I think Godfather 2 still holds that. But this was still, I think this would probably be the second one because you got Aliens after this. You got Terminator 2 a full decade after this and then Dark Knight a decade later. But this was to me like kind of the first instance that showed that like, okay, not only is Star Wars not a fluke, this is just how franchises can do it. This is Star Wars, we give a lot of credit, the original Star Wars, but this movie I think is the one that like really sets blockbusters like on the path that will eventually lead them to where they are today. But doing exactly. all the things that we expected, like there's... doing all the things we expected them to do though. Yeah, I feel like there's arguments that can be made that without the ex- success of of this movie 
franchise and this trilogy, you know, this this sci-fi trilogy, like where would Ghostbusters or Back to the Future be? Would audiences have been as receptive to these kind of concepts played out across multiple movies? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a historian by any means, but I feel like I do know a thing or two, and that's kind of what my gut's telling me. And so, with that being said, yeah, Empire Strikes Back, number one, no-brainer. Easily, no, no question. No so, question. So, Dom, do you want to um, read some of these, the list from the good people? Who how many people, to us how many people sent them in? We have a couple. And guys, okay, read them off. You know, you can still send them in through the course of me reading them. Our good friend Luke sends us his list. Oh, we're going to start here first, the bottom half first. So at 11, he has Rise of Skywalker. Oh, Skywalker, Attack yeah. of the Clones, Phantom Menace, Force Awakens, Solo, uh, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, Last Jedi. Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Okay, you're one of those guys. Okay, Luke, I understand. We will ha- <laughs> we will have to recondition you at some point, but I understand. That's cool. Jay sends uh, us in. Jay says he only ranks the first three episodes. That's all fun. the others don't count. All right. Some, that yeah, makes, I mean, I'm, hey, look, you know, you're not wrong. Hey, I, so, uh, so, so, I was about to say, I'm, I wish I could think he that goes, way. He goes, Jedi, Hope, Empire. I mean, that's the logical order, just in general. I feel like if, if you're only basing off of those three movies, that's like pretty universal. There are other trilogies where it's more flexible. That one's pretty universal. Anybody else? send it in um no no one sent them in but we do have a few people in the chat that we'll hit here ken thank you for hanging out again man you know we love you we always appreciate you coming in regardless of what time you enter the characters were not memorable at all with the exception of k2so who has been great not sure well yeah I, the I droid sure, from rogue one but there. i i liked all um, the characters from rogue one every single one of them it's funny yeah, my friend was like oh how come i don't remember name and i listed off like all six characters names i'm like these characters are all great Luke saying he is the guy. And no, you're that, that said, guy. There's a difference. <laughs> you guys are all uh, greatly appreciated by us. We love yes. this community. We love hanging out with you guys. The reason we're doing these podcasts live on Mondays now is to hang out with you guys more. So the fact that you're here really does mean a lot. We uh, we enjoy doing this, and we enjoy doing it with you guys. Yes, we do. And boom, two top, two separate top ten lists in one hour. That should that that should tell you just about efficiency how that goes. People, thanks once again. This is another episode. Of, thanks for tuning into like our our technically second like live podcast that we're just going to keep live and leave up on the channel. Um, I'd, I'd say this was a great success overall. I'm looking forward to doing this more often, just in general going forward. And uh, yeah, this is the Talking TV podcast. I'm Dom. That's Chris, Movie Nerd, TV Nerd. Talking TV, hit hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. If you have more Star Wars, let's leave them in the comment section below. We're very interested to see. It was interesting when I wanted to do this list because it's a limited amount of movies, but there could be like such a wide variance of people depending on like how Star Wars applies to different age ranges. Star Wars is the, I think, only truly universal um, just movie franchise in general across all the other movie franchises. Um, What's called? We have new content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday that we put up. So make sure you keep track of that. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Talking TV or at Talking TV Podcast. And be sure to tune in to our new episodes of the Mandalorian rewatch series that we have going on every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're recapping yeah. each and every single episode of the Mandalorian season two. We're two episodes in. And yeah, I want to point the people to, uh, you know, if you're here, please subscribe. And, and there's a few Star Wars based things we've done in the past few weeks that I think you'll enjoy. Of course, our Star Wars The Force Awakens debate right here, which a bunch of you guys tuned into live. We couldn't get into it too much tonight, but we really get into it there. So I think yeah. you will yeah, really like it. And if you go over to playlist right here, of course, you can find our Mandalorian season two weekly recap show again, which is every Friday nights live on the channel, guys. We've been having a blast doing that with you guys. We love hanging out with y'all, and we hope you keep joining us again. That's every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We hope to see you there. Me and my literal God mode. Yeah, we have a lot of fun doing this stuff, and the best way that we can still continue to bring this stuff to you guys is by you subscribing, because that is what matters. Oh, Luke, we shall see. We shall see if they continue to bring that joke back. I hope to God they don't. But uh, what's it called? You know what? Congrats to Ken for coming in only two-thirds of the way in this time. Yeah, okay, Ken. Okay. Ken, I'm, I'm coming for that TV title, just so you know. Um, and one last thing I forgot to mention. Don't forget to listen to our audio versions of this. We still put up the audio version that you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts. So that will be this will be up there for anybody who's unfortunately not able to make it tonight. It will be up in audio format on Wednesday. That's right, Wednesday. You'll be able to listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any place that you listen to podcasts overall. So once again, thanks. This has been the Talking TV Podcast. Me and that's Dom. And that's Chris overall. And yeah. watch more fucking movies, people. We out.